you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Well, good morning. My name is Armin, just to begin with. I am one of the, as Pastor Mark uh, did last week regarding pastor, I am one of the overseers of the church, and I will be sharing the message today. Technically, we have a title, but we just don't like using it, but... <laughs> Just to say it, I'm one of the deacons of the church. That's what, uh, that's what it is, okay? So anyway, welcome to Life in the Sun. Yes, those who are visiting with us for the very first time, let me just second on that. At the end of the service, you can go to the book on the right, and you, will be re- you can redeem a very nice gift, okay? Just to remind you that, and just to thank you for visiting Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. So let's just go ahead and jump to our uh, series where... We're doing a series at the moment called Church Community. So just before I jumped in, and today would be week number four, let's just do a recap of the weeks that we have uh, gone through. So week one was about the church, or really the entire series is about the church, but in week one we were able to identify what the church is. So what is the church? The, The church is compared to a building to a body and to a bride, but the way that it was uh, Pastor Mark presented it is, it is a gathering of disciples. It is a gathering of believers. So that's, the, that's week one. Week number two, what is the purpose of the church? Why do we exist? And uh, Pastor or Brother Chris uh, delivered that message, and we exist first and foremost, uh, well, first, oh, well, first and foremost to honor God, but also to reach the loss and also to build up the body. So that was week number two. Then, yes, last week, Pastor Mark talked about who leads the church. He does. Okay? <laughs> the pastors lead the church. And then after that, you have overseers that lead life group and so on and so forth. Okay? That's who, and what is the purpose or what is his primary responsibility as a pastor? He feeds the church. He leads the church, and then he equips the church. And he made a great point on the last one. How do we equip the church? Honor is always the key when we equip the church. And that's why we exist. If you've not heard it, we, Life in the Sun, we exist to honor God and to make disciples in Micronesia and beyond. All right, so that's the three weeks that we've been going through. And today is week number four. And go ahead, what are we going to be talking about? We're going to be talking about tradition. How do we support the church? This is a topic about giving. Woo! (laughs) Giving. You know, giving does not come natural to us. That's just the thing. It does not come natural. Say, for example, if you have two toddlers, put them in one playpen, and you give one toy to them, what do you think they'll do? They'll fight over that toy. In fact, put two toys... And each of, each, one, each, each of them has a toy. They still want to get the toy from the other toddler. I mean, that's just the nature within us. We have a selfish nature. Giving does not come natural to us. And that's why, before we get into that topic of giving, I want to present to you first a foundation. Because when we talk about giving, in fact, even before I became a believer, this area, when it comes to the charismatic church, has always had a wrong perception because people have come up uh, experiencing the charismatic church is that, oh, all they want there is for you to give. All they want is your money. 
This is before when I was a believer, but now that I'm a believer, now I understood it. Okay, now I understand why people feel that way. So before I present to you what, what is the right attitude of giving, I want to present to you a foundation first. Amen? Go ahead, the next slide, please. So just like what I said, we are here, we exist to honor God and to make disciples in Micronesia and beyond. One of the ways that we honor God is we honor people. We always highly esteem people. Another way that we can honor God is through Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. It says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your baths will overflow with new, new wine. But just like I said, it's not natural for us to give. Growing up, I came from a poor family. The whole reason why I'm on Guam is because my mother's sister adopted us because our life was just poor. I grew, I grew up in the Philippines. Well, I was born in the Philippines, 1975. It was the year when the martial law was just happening. My biological father lost his job in the uh, publication, and he ended up going fishing. Then, unfortunately, he, he contacted tuberculosis. So we were not able, he was not able to provide for us. So my mother's sister adopted the two of us because life was just hard. I did not have a good, uh, I was not the child who had every toy that I wanted. That's why when I grew up, I liked to buy toys. <laughs> That's just what it is. <laughs> you, you grow up, the things that you did not get when you were young, you actually ended up buying. It's just that it's more expensive now. <laughs> and it's your own money. But yeah, I didn't grow up uh, having much, uh, much, so it was not, even for me, it was not natural to give. And the reality is, if man is to be left to himself, all of us will just act selfishly. I mean, that's really the story of the Bible. From the days of Noah, it says that every inclination and in the hearts of man were evil continually. Every thoughts of his heart were evil continually. In the days of Judges, it says that there was no king in the land, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And if you read the book of Judges, it is one of the darkest times of Israel. In the book of Psalms, it tells us that there is no one who is righteous, no one who seeks God. And then Paul repeats it in the books of Romans, where he said, it's so true, there is no one who is righteous, no one who seeks God. For everybody has turned aside. And then he goes on to say that, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Man on himself is selfish. Man will never love God. He will never even seek God. And he will never honor God. And that's why in everything when God tells us to do something, it's always God who initiates. God is always the one that initiates the action. It is uh, in First John, it says that we love God because he first loves us. That's God's way. When we read that, his ways are higher than our ways. And how is God's way bringing us into him? Well, it, uh, uh, Jesus says in John chapter 6 is that no one goes to the Father unless the, my Father who sent me draws him. Nobody, you are not here by accident. Okay, you are not here by accident. Somehow God is drawing you in. 
Okay? That's a lie that you think you're here because you, 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 oh, one day you wake up and say, I want to love God. I want to worship God. No. It says that it is God the Father who draws man unto himself. And once you're drawn in, it says in Romans chapter 2 that God begins to show you his goodness. Some people think that it's the unfortunate circumstances in our life that draws us to God and, and changes our mind. No, the Bible says it is his goodness. When you see the goodness of God, that is what will lead you into repentance. That's what it says. And once you, you are led because of his goodness, that's when you receive salvation. And salvation says, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, is that it is by the grace of God through your faith that you are saved, not of anything else, not of your works, so that there could be no boasting. See, church, there is no way that we can boast because we are saved. Because it is really God-initiated. God said he took on the form of a man who went to his own and, he re- and his own rejected him. Salvation is 100% the work of God. And that's why you have, and you need to realize that, that there's no such thing as, oh God, I was 20% good. I only needed 80% of your saving. Or God, I'm 10% good. I was only 90% evil, so I really only need 90% of your salvation. No, no one is righteous, not even one. We get salvation because God is 100% righteous and it's because 100% God's action, okay? And that's what it is. When we see and we realize that God was 100% righteous in saving us because we were 100% sinner, then I believe that's when we can truly and genuinely love back where, where John said, we love back because he first loved us. If you're holding back or if you're thinking that God only saved me 80% because I was 20% good, then you will always have a reservation of thinking, does God really love me 100%? Because you're holding back, you're still thinking, though I'm 20% good, I only needed 80% of God's salvation. So, but no, our salvation is 100%. Amen? Amen? And you're probably wondering, why am I sharing this? We're talking about giving. Because the same thinking, if you think that you had a part of salvation, you will have a wrong attitude towards salvation. And in the same manner towards giving, if you feel like you have a part to play in giving, you will have a wrong attitude towards giving. Does that make sense? Okay, I'll go on. So go ahead and do the next slide, giving. See, the first thing we have to see in order for, have a, for us to have a right attitude towards giving is we have to see our role when it comes to money, when it comes to wealth, the riches, and our possession. We have to see that first. So what is it? Are we, is is the money that we make all ours? Is the wealth that we have all ours? Is the possession, what the company that we work for, the, the savings account we work for, the interest we get, that, that investment we made, is that really all ours? That's really is the first question. So this is coming from Psalms 24, verse 1. And let's look at it. It says, The earth is the Lord's and its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. So if the earth is the Lord's, what are we part of? We're all part of earth. Okay. So who, the, who does the earth belong to? The Lord. There's nothing that belongs to us. It's all the Lord's. 
Okay? Nothing. Every possession that we will ever possess is God's. Amen? Everything. Everything that we would ever possess is from God. In John, it also says that every gift and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of light. Next verse. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, it says, 8.18. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may, he may establish His covenant which He swore to your father as it is this day. First, God possesses everything on this earth. Then second, He says that He gave you the ability to produce wealth. You are not in your position because you are, I don't know, you're handsome, you're very good with what you do. Every ability that you have where you are right now at your work was given to you by God. Now show uh, C.S. Lewis, please. This is what C.S. Lewis said. Every faculty you have, your power of thinking or moving your limbs from moment to moment, is given to you by God. If you've devoted every moment of your whole life exclusively to His service, you cannot give Him anything that was not, in a sense, His own already. This is C.S. Lewis from the book Mere Christianity. Did you get that? Nothing. The way you think, me walking with my hurting knee, me moving around my hand, if I were to vote my entire life and say I want to serve God, it says says that you could not have given him anything that was, in a sense, his own already. Everything belongs to God. The whole earth belongs to God. Your ability belongs to God. Your thinking, everything belongs to God. David puts that really well. He said, everything that I give back to you, God, was yours to begin with. So this is really what we call biblical stewardship. Go ahead. Since we really possess nothing on this world, even our own skill, we are placed here really as stewards. And and biblical stewardship, this is what it means. It's utilizing and managing all resources God provides for the glory of God and the betterment of His creation. We've been given a privilege. Okay? We've been given a privilege. God is so gracious that though He owns everything in this world and everything that you will ever do and can do and will receive is all coming from Him, He gave us a privilege to be part of it. We are managers and we are administrators of the resources that God has given us. Amen? Here's an illustration. Probably this is better. Batman. I'll show you Batman, how Batman is biblical. <laughs> Who have seen the latest uh, Batman? The one with Ben Affleck. Uh, Justice League. Anybody? Okay, who knows the story of Batman? Who's familiar with Batman? Regardless if it's George Clooney, Val Kilmer, who was the last one? Christian Bale or Ben Affleck. Everybody know the story of Batman? Batman is Bruce Wayne. His family is the Wayne industry. Bill to rich guy. In fact, in the last movie that they did, the Justice League, it was Flash who said, so what's your superpower? He said, I'm rich. That's his superpower. Batman was rich. Or Bruce Wayne and the character of Batman was rich. But what happened in his life? His parents died when he was young. Isn't it? When he was still a boy, his parents died. So he's left with these great resources, multi-million multi dollars, and that's why he's able to make all these toys. 
because he's rich. So, but who was the one that was always taking care of Batman? Alfred, the butler. Alfred had all the authority to utilize and to manage all the resources of the Wayne industry so that Bruce Wayne will have a good life. Do you hear that, church? That's biblical. <laughs> Alfred was given all authority and power to use all the resources of Wayne industry so that little Bruce Wayne will have a better life. And church, that's what we are in a sense. We are like Alfred. Alfred, right? Correct? <laughs> We're simply managers and administrators of the resources that God has given us to bring glory to God and to better the creation. Until, of course, well, we know the story, until, until Bruce Wayne reached the age of adulthood, then he took over the entire fortune. And that's when he became Batman. And really, this is really the story of the parable of the talent. We're given the same thing. We're given administration and we're given authority to use the, the resources that God has given us until he comes back. And when he comes back, there would be an accounting for it and there will be rewards included in it. So that's what we are. We are like Alfred. It's easier to remember, right? We're Alfred. So now when you watch Batman, you will know that you, you know the Bible now. But does it make sense? God has graciously, and I say that really because it says in Timothy that God has richly provided so much things for us for our enjoyment. We're not just here as laborers. We're actually sons. We're, though Alfred is a butler, we're really in, the, in God's eyes, we're really sons. But yet, we also function as a steward. So you're an Alfred when it comes to biblical stewardship. That, I think, will sink in. Amen. Next verse, please. What is our next verse? Here, let me show you. Okay, this is point number one. Can you, uh, so, so having that in mind, that biblical stewardship is us being administrators and being, uh, what's the other word that I use? Managers of the resources of God. Having that in mind, then we will actually have a right attitude towards giving because we know that there is really nothing that we possess on this earth, and there's really no ability that we, can, that we have to produce this wealth. We're merely stewards. So in knowing that, we can actually begin to honor him with our possession. And the first, uh, the, and the first way that we can do that, can you put up uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10 back? So going back to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, it says, Honor the Lord with your possession and with the first fruit of all your increase. Now that we know that we are Alfred, then we can have a right attitude towards honoring God with our wealth. Make sense? So the first, uh, I'll show you three ways that we can honor God with our possessions. First one is the tithes. Ooh. I do not know what your perspective is on the tithe, and that's why I had to lay a foundation that you have nothing on this earth, and you have no ability in this earth to ever possess anything. So one way to honor God with our possession that he 
graciously allow us to utilize and to manage is through the tides. So what is the tides? The tide really is an old English word that says uh, one-tenth or a tenth, a tenth of a hundred, one-tenth, yeah, ten percent. Okay, my mat just went off. Ten percent, the tide is ten percent. It comes from the Greek word really ten or aser. I think that's what it is. So, so how does that look like? How do we honor God? And why is it when we tithe, it brings honor to God? Well, when we give our tithe, what we're really doing is what I just told you. We were, we're acknowledging that, Lord, what we possess is really not ours. So, therefore, I'm just returning. I'm just, uh, what's the other word? I'm, uh, I'm bringing. The, we don't pay our tithes. We return the tithes. We... We bring the tithes to the church. That's what it is. Why? Because all that you ever have comes from God, and you're taking that 10%, and you're representing the entirety of what you have. At the same time, you're allowing yourself to say, Lord, I acknowledge that nothing belongs to me, so therefore I'm giving back. I'm returning the tithes to you. That's what you're doing when you're tithing. That's why the tithe is always a controversial issue when it comes to the church. It's because we didn't have a good foundation of biblical stewardship. Many people have their own ideas about church, Old Testament, New Testament. No, it's about stewardship. You can go home tomorrow with, your, with God and you cannot take anything with you. Amen? So go ahead. Then show, uh, here, let me show you. Abraham, the first mention of tithe, it's coming from Genesis chapter 14, 18, and it, it started, or not started, but rather, it was first mentioned in the life of Abraham, and this is what Abraham uh, did, and I'll show you how it's connected to biblical stewardship. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High, and he blessed him and said, and said Blessed be Abraham of God Most High, Possessor of heaven and earth. Who was the possessor of heaven and earth here? Not Abraham. It's God. God Most High is the possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And then that very uh, last uh, passage and said, And he gave him a tithe of all. Abraham understood that the God he served is the possessor of heaven and earth. Make sense? Next verse, please. Uh, Genesis chapter 14, verse 23. The story behind this is, this is just a few verses after that one, was that Lot was taken by five kingdoms or five kings. Abraham went to get him back. But when he got him back, he also took a lot of goods that this five king has taken from Sodom and Gomorrah. So the king of Sodom said, here, you can take all the goods, but just give me back the, the man that belongs to my city. But Abraham said that I will, I will not take nothing from you, from a thread to a sandal strap, and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abraham rich. So Abraham was telling the king, no, I will not receive anything for you, because you might turn back and say, it is because of you that I am rich. Abraham understood that the richness that he has, and the man is filthy rich. The man is so rich that he has 318 servants that was born under his house. If you think you're rich, do you have, how many servants do you have? 
<laughs> this man is filter rich with gold, silver, and everything with his own servants. But yet this is what he has to say to the king. No, I will not take anything from you because you might say it is you that made me rich. Abraham understood biblical stewardship, that everything on earth is possessed by his God, which is also our God. Amen? And that also he knows that rich, the wealth, the money, well, he didn't have money back then, he has gold and silver, did not come from man, but it came from God alone. Amen? Sinking in? So that's what he did. He gave a tithe of everything that he ever owned with, with in mind that nothing is mine and no ability was given to me to get all of this. So tithe is really giving. So how does that apply to us? Well, tithe, because we're living in the modern day, whatever you make, whether it's your salary, gifts that you receive, interest from your bank, uh, I don't know how will that work for your investment. I guess when you withdraw it, you do, you do that. From your bitcoins or whatever digital money you have, all of that, every, everything that comes, and is, that comes from the Lord, you put a 10%. That's, a, that's the way it works. And it works. I've been tithing for the past 20 years, I believe, and it works. God's principle works. And in case you don't believe me, here's one man that you might uh, believe, sir, John Templeton. If Templeton is familiar to you, this is him. He says, I have observed 100,000 families over my years of investment counseling. I always saw greater prosperity and happiness among those family who tied than among those who didn't. John Templeton is a British inventor. He's a banker. He's a hedge fund manager. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that Templeton group of funds. That's what he is. The man has seen 100,000 families, and that's his observation. There's greater prosperity and happiness. Not just prosperity and happiness for those who tithe. And why happiness? Coming from Robert Morris, he said that tithing, the practice of tithing, is one way to get rid of greed and covetousness in our life. And when you're not greedy and when you're not looking at the toy that your brother has or what your sister has all the time, you will be a happy person. You will find contentment. And the Bible said what? Godliness with contentment is great gain. And he has observed that through how many family. So church tithing works. The practice of tithing works. Amen? I can... I can testify to that, and I'm, I've heard many who started this practice of tithing, they always come up with a story that they've been provided for. They don't know how, but they've been provided for. So that's the first one where we can honor God with our possession. The second one is the increase. What's the increase? Since God say that if you honor Him with your wealth... God will provide for you, then you can have this assurance that there would also be an increase. Go back to Proverbs chapter 3, 9, 10. It says, Honor the Lord with your possession and the, with the first fruit of all your increase. Increase, meaning what you have now, when it multiplies, you also honor God with that. 
this revelation came to me because we're living in a time where we, we don't have, we don't have uh, uh, what's it called? we're not herdsmen anymore. We don't have cow, cattle, and all of that, we're rather, and we're not uh, farmers anymore. But how we get our increase is our salary. We get increments in our salary. Mostly it's yearly. If those of you who, are, who gets it uh, by, uh, annually or good for you, but this really happened, uh, how I got this revelation was uh, many years ago. I started tithing, I was faithful with my tithing, and then, all, then I noticed that I would always get an increment. Of course, I say that, including in there, is also a hard transformation. God changed the way I look at work, okay? God, I, I really put uh, uh, Him first. Uh, I don't want you to ha- think that, oh, because he's, uh, He just keeps working. No. I really don't like overtime. <laughs> I'm the last person that, that I want to work overtime, but I give all my all, 100%, whenever I'm, in, I'm at work. So the increase started to come. And then one day I heard the Lord say, give me your increase. Give me your increase. I didn't know. I've never heard somebody preach on what the, giving the increase, uh, the increase, what the increase is about. I have not, uh, uh, I have lear- not heard anything. I have not learned anything. But just God said, "Give me your increase." Now, let me just make a disclaimer. The Bible tells us that when you give, when you give your charitable deeds, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Okay. But because we're talking about giving, I have to somehow say this. So I know we're recorded. So I'm making a disclaimer. I am not trumpeting what my right hand is giving and I'm letting it known by my left hand. That's not my purpose today for letting you know what I give. But I'm letting you know that it works. Okay? That God will do it according to his word. So the increase. Okay, making that disclaimer. It's recorded, so it's okay. So the increase started to come and God said, give me your increase. What do you mean, Lord? I don't understand. What do you mean, give me your increase? So what God was doing was that if I used to say, for example, monthly, let's just give a ballpark figure. If I used to make a thousand monthly, small, okay, let's make it bigger. Two thousand, say two thousand, okay? You can always dream, you know? Five thousand, ten thousand, let's make it big, let's be ridiculously big. Okay, say for example, I used to make 10000 uh, $10, a month, okay? Then I got an increment. From 10000 they they increased my salary to 15000 a month. Ridiculous, right? But it's okay, God is that big. So from 10000 I got an increment of, to 15000 So that's an increase. Amen? It's good, right? Yeah, you guys are thinking too small. Make it 100,000. No, let's give it to 10 and 15. So there's now a difference of 5,000. That's your increase. But the way I figured it out, because I really didn't know, was that, okay, God, if you ask for the first of the increase, then I'll give you. So what I've been doing was, I would give the first paycheck that was written to me with the increase. Just the first paycheck. And then finally... We attended this uh, financial seminar, and they explained it to me that no, what you really give is just the 5000 because that's the first of your increase. Amen? So you tied on your 15000 which is 1500 and above that, you take your 5000 increase, and you also give that. So you give your tithe on the increase, and then you give the increase. Amen? And I tell you, since I started doing that, year by year, I've never missed it. I always have an increment. 
except three years ago, uh, and, and my increments are always higher and higher and higher. It builds up. Until three years ago, it was cut low, and I complained to God, God, how come it's much lower now? <laughs> I can be real, but, but God is so real that he said, don't worry, I got this. And a few months later, a different kind of income came in, and it's much better than what I've lost out on that increment. That's how effective it is, church. When God says to do something, and we obey in a sonship obedience, and I say sonship obedience because we can have a servanthood obedience, thinking that I must serve because there's fear. No, it's talking about sonship obedience, a relational obedience. When God gives us an instruction, and we do it with the heart of a son, it works. God is true to his word. So yeah, going back to the increase. So, and, and it happened. Year after year, I've, I've gotten a good increment. There was even a time, it was, I think I got an increment twice in one year. It's like, oh, oh yes, Lord, I'll take it. You know. So, next verse. <laughs> I lost my thought there. And I believe it happened because I was just faithfully following what God was doing. I was faithfully, I started faithfully tithing when I only had uh, a small amount to tithe in. But I just faithfully do it. And God says that, uh, and, and I believe God saw it. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is, is unjust in what is, in what is least is unjust also in much. God is not asking you to honor him with your wealth that you do not have. If you have $100 that you have received as a form of gift or as a form of earning, as a form of earning then your tithe is only 10% of 100 Now, if another brother earns a thousand, a hundred thousand, a million, a tithe is always a 10%. God is not asking you if God, you've been given $100 to give $200 back. No, it's only saying, honor me with what you receive, acknowledging that what you receive came from me. That's what he's really just asking. Honor him with your possession. Honor him with your wealth. So you just honor him with what you got. If you got 100, you honor him with 10% of 100, which is 10. If you got 1,000, you give him 100, 100,000, and goes on and on. One day, we will tithe in the millions. Well, no, amen. <laughs> okay, one day, we will tithe in the million. Amen. That means you're going to earn a million. You don't want that? <laughs> if your right is hard, and that's why, I have, that's why I started with biblical stewardship, is that when your, your heart is right and you know that nothing belongs to you, giving, tithing, giving the increase becomes an easy thing to do. Because you know, at the first place, there was nothing in me that could have produced this. There's nothing in me that could have gotten this. So then next verse, please. Here, this is what it says. You shall not delay to offer the first of your ripe produce and your juices. The firstborn of your sons you shall give to me. The firstborns of your sons. Okay. Likewise, you shall do it with your oxen and your sheep. It shall be with so, of course, we don't have sheep and oxen now, and we're not farmers, but that's, that's what it was saying. Give me the increase. Going back to Abraham, what was Abraham's firstborn or first increase? Who was his firstborn? Isaac. What did God ask of him regarding Isaac? 
Give him to me. Offer him to me. And Isaac, Isaac, and Abraham did. He offered Isaac up to him. Of course, God, God said, no, don't kill the boy. That's what, Abraham is a man, okay? Abraham knew exactly his role when it comes to wealth, to riches, and money. And, and he's a man. I, I can't say anything more, but he's a man. So that's the second thing that we can honor the Lord. When we faithfully tithe, you can expect an increase, Okay, uh, uh, it happened to me. I guess God can ha- it can happen to you probably in a different manner, but I believe the word of God works. Amen. The third part that we can uh, oh wow, I'm running out of time. Part uh, next, please next slide. The third we can honor God with our possession by the ninety percent. <laughs> Sometimes we get we do the ten percent so correctly but we messed up on the 90%. What do I mean by that? We're so good in giving the tithes. We know it. We've gotten it. You've been doing it for so many years. It's automatic. You do the 10% so well, but you end up failing on the 90%. And, and, and going back to biblical stewardship, go ahead and show that. Let's reread it. It says, utilizing and managing all. It says, all, <laughs> all resources God provides for the glory of God. It brings glory to God when we become wise on how we utilize and how we manage all the resources that God has given us. Yes, we're good with the 10%, but later on, what do we do with the 90%? And really, this is where we support the church. First, we support it in the tithes, but then like uh, Pastor Elmore would say, let's go to... What island, brother? Kwajalein. Or let's go to Kiribati or Tokalai. He would say that. And what do we do? We do a fundraiser. Right? Because we just don't have cash at hand right away that we can just go pick up and say, let's go. I I can buy my ticket now. No, we have to do a fundraiser. So that speaks a little bit of what we're doing with the 90%. Okay? So here, I want to introduce to you a ministry that we went through, a couple of us went through. It's called Crown Financial Ministry. Now, there might be any, uh, some other ministry out there, but we did this, and it's worked so far in our lives. And, and I know some of you guys did this much more. We attended the one-day seminar. Some of you attended the seven... How many weeks was that? Uh, uh, whoever you are, don't raise your hand, because I'm going to put you in the spot later on. Okay. But it, it's a how many weeks uh, training that they went to. But this is what Crown Financial Ministry stands for. We, uh, Crown exists to help individuals, family, and churches live in financial freedom as a direct result of heart transformation. Getting out of debt, living on a budget, and having money in the bank are important. But if that's all we did, we would fail in our real mission. For us, here's that word, stewardship isn't about ordering your life in such a way that you can spend as much as you want on whatever you want. True stewardship. Can you guys read? The last sentence is important. True stewardship is ordering your life in such a way that God can spend you however he wants to spend you. That's true stewardship. That when God has an ability to spend you the way he wants to spend you. 
but for some reason, we fell on the 90% that we end up not being able to support the church. When missions come, we're, we're down. We're in debt, all of this. So I'll show you the map, and this is how it is. Go ahead and do this one. Can you guys read this? We did this a couple of years ago. Here's our first goal, okay? Destination one, emergency saving. Begin using a sp- uh, plan. So your destiny, your first destination coming from Proverbs chapter 21, 20, it says, the wise man saves from, for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Your first destination is save $1,000 for emergency. That's your first destination. You should have at least $1,000 for emergency. If your car breaks down on the road, if you need new tires, if, you're, if your children need something for school projects, and it's not until next week, payday is there. Where do you get it? You have an emergency fund of $1,000. So that's the first thing that you want to do. Or at least that's what the first thing that Crown Financials destined. Of course, there's much more. I'm just giving you the shortcut, okay? Tithe is always the first one that will teach you. So just, get, just to let you know. Then that's your first destination. The second destination, it's pay off credit cards. Increase saving to one month's living expenses. You know what your one month living expenses is? It's what do you pay for your mortgage? If you have a car loan, if you pay the utilities, you pay your children's tuition, your lunches, your dinners, your entertainments. What else? What do you pay monthly? All of that. You compute that. Say, for example, uh, your monthly expenses is, say, $5,000. Okay, just giving you a ballpark figure. So that means in destination two, you should have at least $5,000 in saving so that if you were to get sick and that sickness happens that it covers your... I mean, I've been, uh, I had to take off for six weeks because my knee was bothering me. So, well, I used leave, but in the last two weeks, I started using uh, leave without pay. So that's uh, destination number two. Destination number three. In fact, going back to destination number two, it says pay off credit card loans. Okay? I know some of you might be in this situation. Some of you may not. That's good. Destination number three, pay off all consumer debts. Increase savings to three-month living expenses. What was our living expenses? 5000 So from 5000 you increase that to what? 15000 so that you can come to a place that if you get sick, you get into an accident, you will not be worried. You can have a freedom. Okay, so this is their destination. This is their goal. And of course, they're all biblically based. This is the practical way where we can honor God with our wealth, that we take care of the 90% that's, that's really still His. Anyway, it's not ours. It's still His. Then destination number four. This one is hard to read. Let me read it for you. It says, begin savings for major purchases, which is homes, cars, begin saving for retirement, begin saving for children's education. If you want to start your own business, begin saving for it. The memory verse is uh, Proverbs 21.5, steady prodding brings prosperity. That's destination four. Destination five, it says, so you've already begun savings for major, major purchases. If you're planning to buy a home, what do, you usually, what do they really require of you? A 20% down and money to pay the closing fee, correct? So if we were to follow this, 
It's going to tell you to save up for the 20%, save up for your closing fee, and have a three-month emergency fund ready just in case an emergency happens. That's what it really is. Destination 5, it says, buy a portable home, begin prepaying home mortgage, begin investing wisely. Now, we've taken this, and I'm telling you, it works. This thing works. God will transform your heart and this thing will work. We started this. We started with a $1,000. Then we, we, me and my wife, when we say we, okay, we brought that uh, living expense to a, to, a, to a what? One month. And then we still continued saving. And we were able to bring that into a three-month expenses, living expenses. We had that as a buffer just in case anything happens. Why? Because there was one time that I actually didn't work for one month. And we experienced living paycheck to paycheck. As, or one year. I didn't work for one year. So we actually experienced living paycheck to paycheck. Or today's, in today's language, it's direct deposit to direct deposit. See, we, we were. We hit that place where we zeroed out our account. Then, so, and we started taking this. Then we end up taking this. We slowly build up. We are able to do a three-month saving expenses. And then it says there, buy a portable home. So we started looking for an affordable home. It says affordable, okay? Your definition of affordable may not be the same as my definition of affordable, but I don't know what is affordable to you, but I'll let God deal with you on what's affordable. Okay, let's put it that way. So I started looking for an affordable home. But in the meanwhile, we kept saving, saving and saving, but we could not find an affordable home. The median house for Guam is now, what, 280000 to three hundred fifty. I'm um, sorry, Anthony, sorry for all you realtors over here. My opinion is that's just not affordable, okay? I'm sorry if you're in the realty business. Just, uh, just delete this on your, when you listen, okay? At least that's me. That's my personal conviction, okay? If that's uh, okay for you, then let God and you have a conversation and kick me out of it, okay? I won't bother you. I'll let God and you decide on what is affordable. But that's what we did. We were looking, we were looking, and, we, and finally we said, you know what? Let's just change our, what we're looking for. Let's just, since we cannot find affordable in our definition of affordable, why don't we just build our own, get a little property, get this, get that. And we, so my wife and I started writing it down. This is what I want. This is what I want. Get a property with a small structure, live there for a while, and while we're building our affordable home. The word is affordable. Okay? So we did. That's what we did. We just, we just kept doing that because we could not agree with what is affordable. Okay? By the conviction of God, we could not agree with what is affordable. And then finally... We were able to get a property, and because we've saved enough, we were able to get it cash. Church, this works. And that's why I have to say a disclaimer, because I don't want to come out like I'm bragging. No, I'm not bragging. What I'm bragging, if I can brag, is really like what Paul said. God has been so good. God has been so good in our lives that... And, and I had to ask permission from my wife, actually, to ask her, can I share this? And she really said, well, if, uh, it, if it means robbing people of a testimony, uh, I mean, if, if it's going to rob people of, of it, then we should share it. And we've never really shared this. We've been living mortgage-free for four years. We only have one debt to pay, which is, which is a car. I prepaid my car. 
were saving up to build our own affordable home. And I say affordable because it really is, that's, what we're, that's my conviction. We can live in an affordable home. There's this new trend in HGTV, small living, small house living. Church, that's what it is. I truly believe that when God said we're a steward of our own money, we should also give glory to God on how we spend the 90%. Okay? And like what I said, I'll let you and God talk and I'll move out of the way. But what I'm saying is God is true to his word that the biblical principle that these guys did, Crown Financial Ministry, that it will work. It may not work the same way that it worked with us, but it will work because it is the word of God. Now, if we were to put some sort of a training like this, would you be interested? By a show of hand, can you raise up your hand? If we were to show, put up a, a seminar doing uh, how you, you can manage your finances. Okay, so there's a lot interested, especially for the young ones. You don't want to, you know, uh, uh, in 1998, I bought my first brand new truck. In my 20 years old, 20 some year old wisdom, I was working a minimum job <laughs> and I bought myself a, a brand new truck. <laughs> I laugh at it now, but back then I wasn't laughing. Citibank is very good in calling you when you miss your payment. They would really call you. Okay. I thought I can do it. I can, I can afford it. That's so why I brought me a, a brand new truck. I had no credit history, so my interest was about 16%. So that was really the testing ground for me that I have to tithe. But Lord, I'm going to miss out on my truck payment. It's okay. They only call on the phone. They don't know who you are. <laughs> so there's been a couple of times where Citibank had to call me and say, Sir, when are you going to make your payment? Oh, yeah, I forgot about it. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. But anyway, that's what it is. Sometimes we move in, in not-so-wise ways. Let's just put it that way, okay? We were, I was young. I can afford to be stupid. I have the right to be stupid. But guess what? You didn't have to. <laughs> I, didn't have to uh, I didn't have to be challenged every time when they call. But what I'm... So, really... This works, church. The word of God really works. When God said we have a stewardship over all the possession, we are Alfred and we have little Bruce Wayne to take care of. We, one day, Alfred did not just wake up and say, you know what, I think I'm going to take Master Bruce's car for a spin today. And I think I'm going to say, this is mine. No, (laughs) we're just really serving the man Everything that we have, God is so gracious to richly provide for us things that we can enjoy. And yes, God provides for us the things that we can enjoy. God said that he will provide for our needs according to the glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He, he said, do not worry about tomorrow. Alfred was living in a mansion. He can choose whatever room to sleep in. But at the end of the day, it's still Bruce Wayne. But that's what I'm saying. So Amen. So this is really where our heart's attitude can transform when it comes to giving. When we realize that we honor that there is nothing in this world that belongs to us and there is no ability that we can ever muster up that's really producing this wealth. And once we get this, once we realize it, then I believe we can be like how the Macedonians gave. In conclusion, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. This is what it says. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. 
that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of joy and their deep poverty abounded in the richness of the liberality. It says they were generous, even though their circumstances was not the best. They were still generous. And church, uh, the right attitude of giving and supporting the church, supporting the mission, supporting Pastor Elmer, whenever we say we're going to Ponape, that's really, it really begins in biblical stewardship. And, and when you know that, and God works in your heart being transformed, giving really becomes so much easier. It does. You become generous with it. You become willing. And there's a verse chapter 3. It says, For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. It can produce that in you, church. We, uh, I like how Pastor Mark uh, last week said he's uh, cultivating this culture of uh, royalty. Is that correct, Pastor Mark? It's uh, cultivating this culture of royalty. I learned how the culture of royalty is through my wife shopping. When she goes shopping, she does not look at the price tag. She grabs what she wants and she goes. Royal people do that. Have you ever seen the queen go to a flea market? About Prince Harry and who's the other prince? Have you ever seen them look to the price tag? No, royal people just go, they pick it up. Well, of course, that's not, just, that's not the only quality of royalty, but that's the thing is, generosity is one of them. Our identity, the, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, each of them moved in generosity. The Father gave the one that pleased him so much, the Son. The Son was so willing to give up his life. It says he was not murdered, he was not killed. He said, I lay down my life freely. And then the Holy Spirit said that his, the very gifts that we stand on, the very gift that I'm standing on of teaching is really a flow and a manifestation of the Holy Spirit within me. That's how generous the Godheads are. And because we share in that image, we too can be generous, we can be willing, and the lastly, we can be cheerful. Uh, next verse. Uh, 9.16 or 9.7. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or, necess- or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So amen? amen. Biblical prosperity. Yes, storage, biblical stewardship, church, is the key to really having a right attitude of giving. And when we got that, when we have that right, and we have a, a good foundation of biblical stewardship, then giving can become generously, it can become willingly, and it can become cheerfully. So that, uh, that, so that when Pastor Elmer comes, or we need this, we would be like how the Macedonian church are. We would be called by uh, Pastor Steve say, I commend the life in the sun Saipan that though in, their, in the economic trials that they're going through because their government is failing or something like that, they gave willingly and they gave generously and they gave cheerfully to the needs of life in the sun Ponape, something like that. So we can be commended. Amen? Amen. Are you blessed, church? Let's just go ahead and close. Ooh, thank you, Father. I just want to make a... I, wanna, I don't want to put you guys on the spot, but I know some of you have taken Crown Financial Ministry and by the show of hand of how people really want to get to be able to get their 90% right, if you would just allow... If you would just be in prayer and really just... I don't know, get together or 
text one another and, and really just consider doing another series of that. I think it would really help the church because one of the things that the church is about or it's described is a body. And in a body, if one part is hurting, the entire body can feel it, that it's hurting. So just consider that. Amen. Let's just go ahead and pray. Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for what you have allowed us to utilize and what you have allowed us to manage so that we can return it back for your glory. And Father, I just pray today, oh God, that you will seal the words that's been spoken to people's heart. That you will seal the words, Father, that's prodding them to move in faith. Seal the words, Father, in people's heart to really see you, that you are who you are, that you are true to your word, that the principles that you spoke in the Bible is true. Father, deal with our hearts, Father. Deal with the selfishness that's within us. Remove it, Father. Show us the better way, O Lord. And Lord, I just pray, Father, that Lord, as your word says, your word does not go in vain. So Lord, bless us, bless our time as we exit. Bless our time, Father, this week. Protect us as we go. In Jesus' name.